Whether they do it intentionally or not, and more often than not it's unintentionally, priests can become a source of controversy and consternation. But not me, of course. Of course not. Never. And the reason for that is, I mean, priests don't like controversy and we don't like confrontation like most people. It's just easier to kind of go with the flow, let things be as they are. But usually when the problems arise is when the vocation of the priest rubs against sometimes the people of God who have gathered in a particular place, in a particular community. You see, because my job as a priest, my vocation, whether I am here in this parish of St. James or elsewhere, is one thing. To lead the people that God has called, that God has chosen, in the worship of his name. That's it. You may be wondering, well, why do we pay this guy a full-time, uh, for full-time work if all he does is work Sundays for maybe an hour and a half or two hours, Right? But where the controversy happens is when that vision of the priest leading the people is to saying, this is how we prioritize the worship of God in our community. And the reason it's so important goes back to those words of that teacher that we read about last week. When he went to Jesus feeling full of himself and he says, well, Jesus asked him, well, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered well. See, so the role of the priest is that emphasis of the priority that we place on the worship of God. Because it comes first. It is most important. Love of neighbor is very much important, but it flows out of the love of God first. It flows out of the love of God first because of the love of God shows us how to love our neighbor as ourselves. How does God do this? He does it through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' love is nothing if not the love of neighbor. Think about it. God became flesh and lived among us. God sought out in Jesus Christ the lost sheep. He went to the hurt, to the poor, to the lonely, and he brought them in. He reconciled us to God. Reconciled where there was a division, where there was animosity between humanity and God, Jesus repairs that breach. He goes out of his way, even onto the cross. And even on the cross, he is nothing if not reconciliation all the way down. Because on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, forgive them. The very people that put me in this position, the very people that literally hung me on this cross. Forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. See, the only way our love of neighbor can make sense and be actually practical and put into practice is if we prioritize our relationship with God. In our rule of life that we're going to spend the next couple of weeks analyzing, and if you don't have a copy, grab a copy on the way out, we outline our values and habits, the things that matter to us most as a parish family. And when we were putting this together pre-pandemic, one of the things that became very clear that we identified as our key value, there are five of them, 
And these are not, I'm going to say these are not ranked. These all feed into each other and they all are all interwoven. But number one of our key values is defined as our relationships with God and each other. And we, it was put this way. We want to ensure that God is at the center of our lives and that God is at the center of our relationships with others. Because God has to be at the center of our lives so that in our relationships with others, our relationships are strengthened. The bonds of affection go deeper than just mere happenstance or the fact that we happen to like or do the same things. It's reconciliation all the way down. So what we're doing in this and prioritizing our relationship of God is saying when everything else is, it pales in comparison to what we do on Sunday mornings. And by extension, when we worship during the week, we have other services that we have during the week, but it all flows from what we do on Sunday mornings. That priority we place on the worship of God allows us to see our relationships in a new light. The reading that Dawn gave to us from Galatians makes it really clear. Paul says, the point of the body of the community of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. In the same way that Christ bore our burdens on the cross, so we too are to bear the burdens of one another. When one of us weeps, we all weep. When one of us rejoices, we all rejoice. When one of us is hurting, we all hurt. Do you see the depth of that relationship? It's more than the fact that we happen to like the same hockey team or baseball team or all those other things, which are fun in life, but are not what's really important. But prioritizing the love of God, the relationship of God that we perform and participate in in the Sunday morning liturgy is key because it reminds us that our relationships with one another are more than just geographical happenstance, more than workplace proximity, more than just our shared likes and dislikes. It's a commitment of faith to one another to be reconciled to one another. Sounds good in theory, right? In practice, we all know relationships are far more difficult and far messier than the ideal we place on them. Our relationship with God takes hard work. You can't coast, right? It takes the effort to come to church. It takes the effort to say, I'm part of this worshiping community. It takes effort to be here to volunteer, to use your gifts, whether leading in singing, caretaking of the church, all those things that make it possible for us to gather. It requires sacrifice. It requires the involvement of what we do. But it all centers around our love of God and our love of neighbor. But the reconciliation, the reality is where the rubber hits the road. And that's why I started with the whole thing about controversy, because in anything, our relationships, we rub up against one another. We get dissatisfied with something that someone has said or done, our feelings get hurt, our toes get stepped on, and we get angry. But if we don't like the controversy and we don't like the confrontation, what do we do? Oh, owie. If, if she needs to take a head out there, okay. I think there's some ice in the... Oh. Uh -oh. 
Okay. Where was I? <laughs> Sorry. Relationships, reconciliation. Oh, rubbing against each other. We know that in our own relationships, our marital relationship, our relationship with our spouses, with our children, with our neighbors, with our co-workers, we know that it's easier said than done. Because sometimes people drive us nuts. And so as, uh, what we do is, if we avoid controversy, if we avoid confrontation, what do we do? We pull back. It's not worth it. I don't want to be involved. But that's a dangerous attitude to take, isn't it? Because it says, if something is not worth fighting for, if something is not worth seeking out to discern the truth of the matter, then we have to ask ourselves, was that relationship even worth it? Did it really matter to me? And that's the problem that we face in a very commercialized, very consumerist world, where it's easier for us when someone rubs us the wrong way to simply pull back and say, you know what? I'm just going to go elsewhere. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to be somewhere else. Whether that's in church land or other aspects of life, we tend to remove ourselves. But the community of God cannot operate that way because it's based on reconciliation and forgiveness all the way down. And the work of forgiveness that St. Paul alludes to in our first reading from Galatians, Jesus himself says as we spell it out in our rule of life in Matthew 18, we don't pull away. We don't step back and say, you know what? It's not worth it. We step forward. And we say to the sister or the brother with whom we have a disagreement, hey, I value our relationship too much for me to just pull away and to ride off into the sunset. This is the, this is the order that Jesus has set out. You go one-on-one. And if the person says, you know what, you're full of it, I don't want to hear it, then you go back again, but this time you bring another sister or brother with you. Not as your kind of posse who you're going to kind of gang up on this person, but to say, I've brought brothers and sisters from our community together so that we can sit down together and work on the forgiveness and reconciliation. So the people that are brought with are to say, we're here on behalf of the community that means so much to us. You're part of us. We don't want you to go. You, we value who you are and what you bring to our community. And then Jesus says, if that doesn't work, then that person, you kind of just say, okay. We've tried and they refuse to be reconciled to us. And as much as it pains us, we have to kind of let it go. But that is the end result of a process of reconciliation. It's not the beginning where we just say, ah, oh, what, to hell with it, I'm done with it. That is why the Christian family needs to root itself in the love of God to remind us that our human relationships have to be prefaced on the relationship that God has with us, a relationship that is forgiveness and love and mercy all the way down. Because if it's not, in our own relationships, we become selfish and self-centered. We demand things conform to our wills and our wishes and our desires. But Paul says that is not what love is. Love is not demand its own way. Love will seek the good of the other. Love is always trying to seek the good of not just myself, but of the other person. And so when we identify this key value of our relationship with, our, with God and with each other, 
We've set a high bar for ourselves, yes. But it is a bar that is achievable through the mercy and grace of God. A mercy and grace that we receive here today as we hear the word broken open to us in the scripture and as we receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. God fills us with his life. He fills us with his presence, his Holy Spirit, and then he sends us out to do the same thing that he did, to seek the lost sheep, to bring them back into the fold. Think of it this way in terms of our gospel reading, that story that's so beautifully memorialized in our leper window up front. And I'll invite you, when you come to Holy Communion, to look at that beautiful picture of that story. Ten were healed. That ten represents the whole of humanity. Jesus has healed us all. His love and forgiveness are for everyone. Here in the healing, the physical healing of these lepers. Ninety percent go on their way. They're happy. They're healed. They get to go back to their families. They get to go back to their lives. Everything has been restored. It's easy when life is good, isn't it, just to go on our merry ways. But that one man, that 10%, he stopped in his tracks and said, wait a minute, although I want to go see my family and get back with my life, there's something I need to do first. The most important thing. And that most important thing is to turn to the God who healed him to fall down on his feet and say, thank you, Thank you, thank you. Jesus doesn't rescind the healing of the other nine because they were ungrateful. Right? It doesn't say the parable says, and Jesus kept the one guy and let him be healed and those other, those other nine, well, they're SOL because they were ungrateful. No, the healing is still there for them. But can you imagine what that one guy may have done? I can imagine him running after his nine companions and saying, guys, hold up, wait, 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 wait. I'm with you. I know what we've been through. It's been terrible. But let's first go back to Jesus to say thanks before we go tell other people. That's our job as the church. To be that 10%, to be that one leper who goes and worships God first but then seeks out the nine brothers and sisters and says, let's go back and see Jesus first so that we can then go share our joy of being healed with our families and friends and neighbors. We've identified this as something that we value in the life of our parish, but we've got to put it into practice. The life of the church is not dependent on one priest or two, or ten, or however many we had. The life of the church is dependent upon the relationships that we all have with one another. So your homework in reflecting on our parish rule of life is to continue to read and reflect and pray on it, but concretely, your homework is to call someone that you know has not been here in some time. Your homework is to be that one man, that one leper, and to go tell the other nine, hey, let's go see Jesus. Let's go worship together. We need you to be part of our community because you matter and you value. We miss you. You're part of us. 
And in two weeks, we have an opportunity to do this over something we haven't been able to do in quite some time, and that is eat together. We're having a pig roast in two weeks. So think about who you're going to call and invite them. Come. Maybe not to church, maybe they're not ready for that, but maybe they want to come for fellowship. And don't just invite them, offer to pick them up. And don't just offer to pick them up, invite to sit with them. So it doesn't feel strange as they work their way back into the life of our community. Because our relationships with each other depend on us building and nurturing those relationships. So that's your homework. Seek those sheep who you miss. If they have a problem or an issue, say, well, we are going to reconcile together with whatever other person it is in the community that you need to seek reconciliation with. Because one of the things I think coming out of the pandemic that we need to remind ourselves is that priority of the worship of God that allows us to build each other up as a community that bears one another's burdens, that weeps when others are weeping, that opens our arms to the hurting, the lost, that we can rejoice with them, that we can be in their presence as we all collectively are in the presence of God, the God who heals us and restores us, the God who is reconciliation all the way down. Thanks be to God.